Welcome to the Launch With Words podcast with your host, Bridget Willard. We're going to talk about all things content, blogging, articles, videos, whatever has words and goes on your website. Hey, hey, season two, another episode. This is episode three with Maddie Osmond, the Maddie Osmond. If you have (laughs) seen anything in WordPress written about anything, you've seen her byline. Maybe you haven't seen her byline. Do you ghostwrite? I do some ghostwriting. Yeah, she's she's pretty uh, prolific is the word we would use. Welcome. I'm glad you think so. And thank you for having me. I'm like, career goals. I want to be like Maddie Osman. Will you be on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm super happy to. And I, I feel like Bridget, like we learn from each other. You know, like we both have these different approaches, but we both like ultimately are trying to do the same thing, which is like help businesses communicate better. Yeah. And that is a problem because they have a passion and, and expertise and knowledge for what they do. But right. sometimes they feel inhibited uh, by writing. Yeah. So like, what are some of the things you think small business owners need to know or to get over that um, inhibition? Like for me, I'm a something is better than nothing person. Like totally. just put it on the internet, fix it later. <laughs> yeah. So like what kind of tips would you give a small business owner? Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really great start. And I think that the beauty of the internet as a publishing medium versus print or even, you know, like uh, media like TV or radio or something like that is that we can change it right after we publish it. We have that power and not that the bar is like lower for things like grammatical errors or making mistakes. I mean, that's still super important, but I think that because of the medium that we're publishing on and the fact that a lot of content that we're creating has some sort of timely nature to it. There's also this like forgiveness. Like if you do make a mistake or, you know, maybe like need to dig a little bit deeper into something for it to really provide the value that you want somebody to get out of it. Or if you made, you know, just a grammatical error or whatever, you always have the option to go back in and edit it. And I don't think that many people are are going to be upset about that versus like a print book. And it's like, oh, crap, that's how it is now. Well, I started my career working at a publisher of college textbooks. Nice. It, it, there are errors in every book always. Oh. And they just have those redlined for the next edition. It's not that big of a deal, even in print. But now with screenshots are forever, everybody's like, you did this wrong. I just read a job (laughs) opening today uh, for a mortgage company that had the wrong, like, plural, and the plural was missing. I'm like, oh, "Oh, you're only going to use one resource, I guess, not many (laughs) resources. But that's me. And that's my, you know, occupational hazard. But sure. Wouldn't you say that most people don't even read on the internet? Right. They they skim is really what we're trying to optimize for. And so that's maybe another, maybe another like helpful thing to know for a small business owner that people aren't going to like dig into it. They're not going to write literary critiques about it. It's, it's really just like you want to write something. It's the same approach as um, trying to optimize around somebody going into search and typing something and being like, what is, what are they trying to find and how can I be 
the perfect answer to their question. And so that's that's kind of how you have to go into it. And the perfect answer is not a novel. It is as short as you can answer that question. And then you can provide some additional information if people really want to know more. <laughs> I can't help. I can't help myself. Uh, I can't believe we haven't uh, talked in an actual with our voices conversation yet. The perfect answer is not a novel is now the title of this episode. Oh, love it. Perfect. <laughs> I always tell people that writing a blog post isn't an eighth grade essay. Writing mm-hmm. an email isn't an eighth grade essay. Right. And if you really need some help, Grammarly is right there by your side for free. I swear by Grammarly. Honestly, everybody on my team has a premium subscription. And I'll say part of the reason why is not only like Grammarly is fallible. You can't, it's not the same as a human editor. You know, it doesn't get nuance the same, but what's really cool about Grammarly is you can add your own custom style guide so that, you know, it it adapts to the things that you decide are important that you say are important. Yeah, I should definitely get that premium subscription because I'm constantly going incorrect suggestion, incorrect suggestion. <laughs> Come on, Grammarly. <laughs> <laughs> Go home, you're drunk. But right? seriously, it's a great tool because a lot of times, you know, Ernest Hemingway said, write drunk, edit sober. We we just need to get it out of our system. We need to get out. When I was in construction, we we would hear these like objections people had to epoxy injection, for example. Sure. And and then you just solve that problem. It doesn't have to be necessarily polished. They just need to right. know that their building isn't going to look ugly when you finish correcting this problem. Right. Totally. So um, there are tools, as you mentioned, like, you know, but um, like what kind of a, what kind of like that perfect answer, how does mm-hmm. a small business owner who is super good at framing or drywall and sure. maybe doesn't do SEO because they don't do SEO. But like, how can you give them that common sense tip of mm-hmm. what is that perfect question? I mean, I have my yeah. I want to know what your totally. secrets. Yeah. I think <laughs> for somebody who doesn't want to spend like a hundred plus dollars a month on SEO tools, that's, you know, just going to be for, you know, some smaller marketing efforts, you know, that they barely have time to run. Um, I think honestly, the easiest way to find that information and the most effective way to find that information is to go in and start doing those searches. Yeah. And to see like what comes up as like a suggested search. So like what are different ways to think about the same topic? Um, looking at other like Google SERP, which is search engine results page for anybody who doesn't know that. Um, features like the people also ask. So that's kind of like, you know, what specifically do people want to find in these search results? I mean, that's, that's probably the most useful part of Google search data. Um, Um, Literally, that's how I do it. (laughs) That's literally how I write for my clients. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really that simple. I think that a tool like Ahrefs, which we swear by because that's what we do is SEO content. Um, a tool like Ahrefs is good to validate things like the market or how difficult, like realistically, it's going to be for you to be able to rank in that market. And so that's fair if you're doing it at scale. But if you're just trying to uh, to answer the question and, you know, which SEO might not even be your goal, but I think that SEO has a lot of answers for even just like outlining content. Yeah, absolutely. So 
when when you're not using it for that reason, not SEO in particular, although publishing is a ranking factor, which is my point with Launchless Words, is just do sure. it, right? Right. Uh, what, what would you say is um, uh, other uses of the content on their website? Oh, yeah. What I was going to say that I forgot to add to my last thought was in coming up with those answers, um, something that we're doing a lot more now at the blogsmith, now that I've hired some more people and have more time to think about it, is like coming up with sales collateral. So it looks like a blog post, but really it's something that I can send to people who have the same questions over and over again, you know, to necessitate creating a piece of content for it and sort of like um, confidently a- answering the question. And, you know, people being able to feel confident in that answer and and knowing that we've addressed that before and and that we have a process around it. Yeah, that's I mean, it's it feels so good to hear another writer do exactly what I do. That's how I started. (laughs) Well, because, uh, you know, that was what was happening. People were asking a question over and over and over again. Back when I was a secretary, if we would have all these files, right, physical paper files, and if if there was something that didn't belong anywhere, you put it in the alphabetical miscellaneous file. But once sure. there were three of them, it got its own file. I I approach that the same way with content. If somebody's mm-hmm. asked you the same question three times, then it's not, you know, for WordPress people, it's not in your documentation well, or they can't find it, or it's not on your website. And often people hear about you from word of mouth. Like this is the objection I hear from small, especially service-based industries that, oh, we work on word of mouth. Okay, so if Betty told her friend Karen about your roofing company, she's going to go to your website. Now she's using your content for validation, not just discovery. Right. So when people are looking at their content, like let's say they've been doing it, now they're looking at Google Analytics, Mm -hmm. what – which part of Google Analytics do you think a small business owner should pay attention to? Because you can just like geek out and be sucked into the black hole of Google Analytics. Like what is a good thing for them to focus on? Yeah. I think that in general, the overview is a good like summary of like the health of your website um, in terms of just like, are people even using it? You know? And it's not so much about, having like a million visitors a month or something. It's, it's, is it growing? Are people staying on the page? Are they bouncing after looking at one page or, you know, do you have enough content to kind of keep them engaged and keep them doing kind of what you're saying, this like self-service process of, of deciding if you are the right business to help them with whatever it is that they need help with. Um, And then I would say also just kind of more from my perspective, the queries report is useful because it shows, um, I can't remember if it's stuff that leads people to you from search or if it's what they're actually typing like in the search on your website, but either way, I mean, useful data for sure. Yeah. To know like what people want to know. If they're coming there because they're looking for advice on relationships and then they're not finding it or you don't write about it enough, that's telling you what people are looking for and how that's bringing them to your website. So that's super useful information. So uh, you have a company called the blogsmith and you service these companies, other small businesses and tech and things like that. What advice would you give to a small business owner? Who's like, 
listen, I don't have time for this crap. Uh, the small business owner sometimes forgets that they are the source of truth in many ways right. to even a, a writer that they hire. Sure. But how do they go about finding a writer? Like, where would you send them to search? Sure. Yeah. I mean, besides working with the blogsmith, um, <laughs> I would say that one of the places I've had the most su success finding great writers is actually on Reddit. There's this hire a writer subreddit. Oh. And, you know, what you do is you go in and you kind of just post generally about the job you're looking for and like the expertise you're looking for. You do have to specify a pay rate. That's important. And I think that's important really on any channel because you don't want to waste people's time. You don't want them to waste your time. You don't want to waste their time. You want to make sure you're in the same ballpark. Um, I've had success on Craigslist too. I think it's all about setting expectations. So like going through and writing a job description before you post and not just kind of, you know, finagling it together um, without any sort of idea of like what you're really looking for. And then the other part of the process is having a good application so that you can ask some questions about their experience or like how they would handle certain situations, especially if they're going to be working on a team setting where it's like you, but maybe also an editor or yeah. something like that. Um, and then like the last part for me is having some sort of paid test project where you can really test whoever the best of the best applicants are to see that they can actually follow your processes because they might be a great writer, but they may not work the same way that you do. And and if they don't, then it's just not a fit and that's okay. But yeah. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to spend a whole lot of time on something that's like never going to work. Absolutely. And I like that you add paid tech uh, test project. Very I'm, important. I'm always saying I don't do free work. I don't do Hell spec no. work. Like that's the, that's the reason why I am prepaid in my business because, you know, in construction, which is my big background before I became, went in marketing for tech, you yeah. do, you get a deposit, you do some of the right. work and you bill progressively. It's the same as web development, actually. And you bill yeah. progressively, you do the work, you get paid, you do the work, you get the paid. But if you do spec work, it's out there and they can use it and they're just getting free work and you don't right. get feedback and you don't get compensated for your time. Right. So um, that's that shows you as a small business owner are serious about finding somebody on staff who understands your industry and, and can write about it in a way that makes sense to the totally. general population, you know? And I think like you and I, Bridget, we have enough experience at this point where it's like, check out our portfolio, you know, like, like what more do you have to figure out? You know, it's like, the only, the only question is if we're going to fit like your specific business. But if you want to know, like, are we professional writers? It's like, there's enough out there. You can figure it out. I know. Google my name. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I used to have more bylines, uh, but you know, some people take their websites down after a while or whatever, sure. but like I have books, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, for me, for writers, and that's another, that's a good way to pivot this, the rest, the balance of this conversation. Sure. I do as a client, I do have a page where I have writing samples of things mm -hmm. where I don't have to kill you if I tell you that I wrote for them. <laughs> it's like, I'm a ghostwriter. What am I supposed to show you? But the ones right. where I have a byline in this, all these different industries, you can go read that. If you still have a problem, sure. I mean, feel free to go to Fiverr. But like, what 
what advice would you give to writers who are trying yeah. to pair with small business owners? Because that's mm-hmm. match made in heaven. There's there's a lot of that that needs to happen. Totally. Yeah. I think um, I think that curating your portfolio is important. And I and I think that for ghostwriters, there is some there are some things that you can't put on your public portfolio because of the agreements you have with clients. But I think most clients are okay if behind the scenes through a private email conversation that you would send them those pieces and say, right. this is this is something I wrote. Um, but yeah, curating it so that it's as relevant as possible to that small business. And it, like, let's just say construction, like maybe you've worked with like um, someone who does like plumbing, but you haven't worked with this new client or a new client like them where maybe they do uh, HVAC or something. Right, right. And so you could still send those, those like plumbing samples just to show them like in the sort of like trades and stuff. Like I have handled this before maybe even connecting the dots to say, here's how I can bridge that gap to work with you. Yeah. And I think another thing that's really important, really regardless of what client you're working with is asking, like, do you have access to a subject matter expert, whether that's the client or somebody on the client's team or even somebody in their network that's just willing to be a voice in these articles for the sake of them also like, you know, being promoted, being shared. Yeah. Um, and having a process where you kind of go into these new articles, coming up with questions that you can ask and, and get a real answer from a real expert, and then using that to make a truly unique piece of content because you are doing your research and you are, you know, getting experts involved in it. So I think that I think maybe like a general answer to this question is just have good processes for dealing with situations especially where it's a topic that you don't know that much about yeah yeah the other day i was sitting in the bathtub learning about gatsby so like that's just what happens you know writers are are learners lifetime learners for sure yeah wow um do you have a little bit of extra advice like like what's like something that frustrates you that small business owners don't seem to understand about writing and the value of it for the web. Sure, sure. I think that this hasn't been a huge issue recently and probably more because we've started like actually enforcing it, but having like an intake process and then like forcing the client to go through that, not just making it optional. I think I think that was my mistake in the past was I created this like kind of long intimidating form and so I tried like a couple different things I was like you know I'll get on the phone with you and fill it out with you if that helps now I think that people actually like just doing it themselves and something that I've started to do to incentivize that is like sending them like a gift card to a coffee shop or something and saying like get a little you know treat for yourself while you fill this out because I know that it's it's a lot of work but You know, the other thing that I do to incentivize people filling that out is um, I give them a copy of it. It automatically gets sent to them when they finish it. And that way, any other marketing vendors they work with will benefit from that same information. They might have their own questions, but it's, you know, the the details about their competition or personas and stuff like that, like that's going to help any person they work with in the future, even if they don't work with me long term. Yeah, that's so smart. Wow, that, there's so much in just a short period of time. How can people find more about you and your company? 
Sure. So we're theblogsmith.com. And um, like Bridget, I love Twitter. So at Maddie Osmond on Twitter. Thank you so much for being on this. I am so fangirling. You're the best. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Launch With Words, a podcast by BridgetWiller.com. If you like this podcast, why not go ahead and share it with your friends, small business owners, peers, your brother. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate your attention. If you have any ideas, contact me on my website. Follow me at Bridget M. Willard on Twitter. And I hope to see you on the next episode or the next season. <laughs>